Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, the New Money Podcast, episode 83. How y'all doing, man? Hope you guys are enjoying your week. Ain't no plugs today. Ain't no ads. We're just going to get right into it. So I have a very special interview. It's with my boy, Campbell Barron. He is a 18-year-old whiz kid. I swear to God, man. He runs a podcast called The Ones Who Succeed, who he's had guests like Mark Cuban and Scott Galloway and all these like high freaking profile people. He also works at a startup and he has a fantastic role there. And this guy's like 18, bro. Like, and he's just doing big things. He lives in Toronto. He's in the tech scene. He's all about that life. He knew from a young, young age that he wanted to pursue this kind of stuff and and be in the sort of like Silicon Valley space. And I mean, this guy's just, he does not sound 18 and you'll you'll hear what I'm saying soon, but I really, really enjoyed learning about him, learning about his story. And we talk about a lot of interesting things, a ton of stuff that I think you guys will find very beneficial in here. So without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. Campbell, how's it going, man? I appreciate you having me. It's going great. That's that's awesome, bro. Hey, man, I'm I'm so so excited to to chat with you and just learn a bit about your story, man. Uh, really quick for the people, you know, who who are you? Uh, Cole's notes. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, first of all, I really appreciate you uh, thinking of me, and I'm you know looking forward to to our discussion. Uh, my name is Campbell Barron. Uh, I'm 18, and I am a content creator. You know, I'm really interested in startups and technology and media. I, um, you know, have a, a podcast called The Ones Who Succeed, where I interview kind of world-class entrepreneurs. I make videos on TikTok, and I work uh, full-time at a uh, pre-launch, you know, education technology startup here in Toronto and run content for them. So, you know, my whole life, I've just been really interested in technology and media and startups. Um, I'm really interested in sharing stories about tech media and startups through my content and podcast. And um, I'm interested in working in tech media and startups. And that's what I kind of plan to continue to do. That is incredible. So you graduated high school a year early then? Yep. Interesting. So were you just like, did, were you just ahead of the game? Uh, yeah. Like academically, I'm pr- like average. I don't think I'm anything like I, I was not a really big fan of school. So um, and, you know, the, the the cliche is dropping out and I didn't want to do that. Well, definitely wouldn't do that. I want to do the opposite, which was just get through it as fast as possible. So mm-hmm. I, um, you know, just figured out that I went to a I went to a school with a flexible schedule in Toronto Public School in downtown Toronto. And they allowed essentially realized that there was nothing stopping you from taking more online courses like Ontario high school courses online. Um, in addition to the course load you're taking. So in a semester, there are four four classes. Um, And I realized if I just work hard at those and then have a little bit of extra time, I could do two more on top of those four and then just kind of get ahead. And I realized this in my first semester, as soon as I switched to this new school. And so I was able to essentially basically just load up on courses and uh, just kind of rode that wave all the way through um, through the, the remainder three years. I originally was going to graduate a year and a half early, but realized like I couldn't just keep doing two courses on top of my original four. So I just did one in the summer and then did just one on top of every semester. Um, sometime the, the last semester I did two, but overall I graduated with enough with all my credits and just it just like math worked out. So that was a year early. Wow. So yeah, like what was your ambition for that? Did you get a day where you're like, man, I just want to get I just want to get started on some some stuff. When did this, I know you talked about your passion with 
you know, tech and, and, and startups and the whole scene, was that something that came to you really young and you're like, Hey, I need to like get out of here and, and do my thing. Yeah. It came very young. It came when I was, um, well, I don't know actually what's very young. I don't know, but it, like, I mean, eight years old, like were you, were you thinking about being a VC at eight, eight years no, old or, but when I was eight, I was living in, I'm from Toronto, but I grew up in New York actually. Okay. Um, and so when I was eight, I was living in New York and New York is a place where there's just a lot of high energy. Um, but not like loud. Like I don't remember New York as being really loud. Um, I think that's a cliche and that's, I, I hate, I don't like loud things and I really love New York. I remember it just being very fast moving and the people who were there were just really, uh, you know, it was the stereotype, the, the A team. Um, and so it was just world-class individuals in every regard. And so, you know, you just like feel the energy. And so I think that and a combination of just growing up, like I was definitely interested in like business stories back then, but not like, I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. I, anyway, I set up a lemonade stand and that was, did well, I did well. And then, you know, my first in, you know entry point to media was like iMovie on the family iPad. We got one, you know, a couple of years after it came out. And so I like, would just learn to film and edit on iMovie there and then just kind of, you know, went down these rabbit holes, but entrepreneurship and startups and like VC that I think my entry point was 2014, 2015, maybe probably 2014 when I listened to a podcast called startup by uh, Alex Bloomberg, who went on to start Gimlet media, which is arguably my favorite podcasting company, just in terms of the shows they make. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a phenomenal, he did a phenomenal job storytelling, you know, how to essentially how he started a company and, and like the struggle. And that really got me hooked. And so I binged the episodes um, and ended up interviewing Alex later on for my podcast. Gimlet has since sold to Spotify for a couple hundred million dollars and it worked out, but um, for them, but it was just a phenomenal, like a lot of people I talk to who are in the interest in podcasts, like will refer to startup as the piece of media that like got them hooked. And that was very much true for me. Startup. So I listened to how I built this and then I yeah, that's, that, that's great. That was great yeah. too. I, that's, that's probably my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts. No, it's, it's my favorite. Definitely my favorite. Yeah. yeah. I thought it maybe startup startup is probably my favorite, but how so, I built so, this is so, awesome too. Right. So, so how, do, how does it differ? Because I know Guy Raz does a really good job of, of, of setting up that story and delivering it. So how, do, how does startup, is it more conversational? Like, no. So the thing with podcasts, that's actually a little frustrating to me. And I, I, I am very much a part of this, which is like, a podcast doesn't necessarily just have to be an interview show. Now I have an interview show. So like I, I get, I, I am like, you know, being hypocritical here, but there's so the podcasts that I actually really enjoy are generally not interview shows. And they're like narrative documentaries. Startup was a documentary, audio documentary about Alex starting Gimlet Media, which was a podcasting company and him like pitching to VCs badly at first. And then ultimately raising a million and a half dollars, which is not a lot to get a media company off the ground, basically moving into a crap office in Brooklyn, hiring his first employees, launching more podcasts. Uh, they have a, a show reply all, which does really well. And just like building it, it was just really, it was the first, it was a first person's account of starting a company from the ground up. In my opinion, and then Guy Ross is definitely up there, but there's nothing in my mind that is more like captivating than that podcast. It's definitely my all-time favorite. My podcast doesn't even begin to compare to Startup. And I say that honestly, it's just a phenomenal show. Wow. I can't wait to listen to that because I am 
I consider myself a podcast nerd, so I feel like I Oh yeah, just, you'll like it. You'll like it. Oh my if God. you like if you like if you like how I built this, it's it's like that, but it's it's happening at least back then it was happening in real time. Wow. It gained a lot of momentum in the startup community too. Um, and then and now you'll listen to it and you'll think like, oh my God, I can't believe they passed because he talks, he talks about he pitches to investors who like pass on the company and it sold for a couple hundred million and it did well. So it is interesting to listen to it after the fact. I might go back and binge it after we finished taping this. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, man. No doubt. So when did you know that you were built for this, like where you were, I know we talked about it at a young age, you were really interested in it. When did a vision sort of develop for creating a podcast? You run a podcast, as you said, kind of tell me a bit about that podcast and when you had that idea for it. Well, I listened to startup in 2014 and I started mine in 2018. So there's quite a bit of time. Um, I just got really sucked into podcasts. I listened to them before startup, but like Ted Radio Hour, which was Guy Raz's original podcast before How I Built This. And like This American Life, which was like, I think is kind of the, the godfather of podcasting, just like the original like narrative way back in the like late 90s used to be a radio show. Um, what else did I listen to? Planet? Mm-mm. No, not really, actually. Yeah, basically just those two. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, Freakonomics Radio. Economics, dude, that's something that's been on my list. I, I gotta get into that. I listened to Freakonomics, and so you know, I was kind of in this in the world, but not really. And then I just went out on a deep dive and I just yeah. listened to how I built this the whole thing. I actually listened to the, I remember listening to Ted Radio Hour, and then I listened to the first episode of How I Built This right when it came out. I think I'm a day one listener, that's not trying to flex or anything, but uh, <laughs> Anyway, but like, so the, I'm basically trying to say I've, I've been interested into this stuff for a while. And so I figured the natural progression would be, well, maybe I can create my own. And I thought of it as a great way to meet people, which I still do. And I thought of it as a great way to build a little bit of a brand for myself. And I thought of it as a great way to like brush up my media skills. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So when you started, was it purely audio or did you come in with a whole content strategy? Yeah, I know it was video. Like video was the core part. I actually didn't even call it a podcast initially because oh. I was really going on video. Um, since then, I've definitely pivoted more towards audio because I think that's just more like it's just more sustainable. Um, but no video podcast. I you know got a sponsor. I flew out to Los Angeles and New York and San Francisco to interview these high profile people that I just got to sign on to the show via cold email. Like there was, I didn't know anyone really at the time I knew of people, but I didn't know anyone personally. Like my parents, you know, were not in tech or anything. So I really had to like, just figure it out and just like cold email and just try to meet as many people as I could. I sent like hundreds, you know, I only got 12 people to say yes for the first season out of the hundreds and hundreds, probably close to a thousand. And it, and anyway, but at the end of the day, um, the lineup that I got, I'm quite proud of. And like, I think the conversations still, I think they age well. And, uh, but definitely to answer your question, it wasn't just audio. There was a video component there too. So you've had guests like Scott Galloway, Mark Cuban, you've had like really, really high profile people. And it's something that like, obviously I, you know, obviously I reached to people to come onto the show and things like that. Like, I know you just said you figured it out, but man, if you could put it into words, like how the like, how the fuck did you get those people, bro? Like, it is so admirable. I remember when I came across your stuff, I actually had a friend that referred um, my, your stuff to me. And he said, dude, look at this kid. Look at what he's doing. Look at where he's from. Like, and I was like, just like, 
boom. And I was like, I have to interview him. Like, that's the first thing that came to mind. So, man, tell me how you kind of built that craft of outreach and, and networking. It's just a number. It's statistics. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to try to sound like I'm a math guy. Or, um, but I think just once you think of it as a numbers game, then it just makes more sense. My first experience cold emailing was when I ran a video agency producing commercials for brands worked with brands like Pinkberry and Sleep Country Canada and like a bunch of other brands. And, you know, these were just all cold emails. So I got decently okay. Like I really embarrassed myself during that time, just like sending bad emails. That's what I mean by them. Well, I also ultimately made like, okay, commercials. And like, that was a good experience, but the cold email part is what I take away from it today. And that's like, once you just send like a thousand, you just get better. Mm -hmm. And so my first one is you know, was really bad. And I just got better. And I realized statistics, oh, this is just a numbers game. Like if I just have a spreadsheet of a thousand emails and I, you know, figure out how to not send too many too quickly. So my emails don't go to spam and they read them like enough people will click on them. And then if I follow up to those thousand, you know, out of those thousand, if I'm like, I'm maybe amazing if a hundred people clicked on it or a hundred people read it and then 50 people replied and then out of those 50 people that said no or out of those 42 people that said no you might have like eight people who say yes or maybe 45 say no and then you have five people who say yes but ultimately i realized like it's just a it's a percentages thing so i was and i was pitching like a service you know i was asking for money for these videos right so like if i if i was able to you know get a couple clients out of that i getting an interview really shouldn't be a problem. Um, that's, that was my thinking anyway. So I just kind of applied the same logic again. I was 15. So it was, I did have, there's a little bit of a charm. There's a little bit of a charm, right? Like I think yeah. it's hard to say people definitely were not, I don't think they were super, like I got some, you know, nasty emails, but like the people that say, yes, like no asshole is going to meet with a 15 year old. So like, if you want to filter through the amazing entrepreneurs, just go look at the first season. <laughs> but ultimately, uh, you know, I think now that I have had, you know, build up of guests, it's easier for someone like Mark Cuban or Scott Galloway to say yes. But I, you know, get rejected all the time. Nothing's really changed. The percentage has gotten a little bit better, but, you know, I still get quite a few people who say no. And um, that's totally fine. Not, like no doesn't hurt. No means no. What bothers me is people who will say like yes and then no. Um, or, or, um, or just like, you know, I don't think everyone has to reply to every email, but just, you know, I, I do think a, a nice, quick, not interested is totally fine. Um, but whatever it is, what it is. It's just a percentages thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. I, I was listening to, uh, funny, funny enough, uh, a podcast with Seth Godin. Seth Godin was on the knowledge project. You, you probably listened to that podcast. Uh, no, but I love Seth Godin. Seth Godin. Yeah. And, and he, he was just talking about, man, like one of the sweetest things in life is a swift. No, like, it, cause you can stick and move, Yeah, you know? And, and so totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's just so, ugh. and, and I, and I talk about that with like, you know, with buddies sometimes on recruiting and things like that, where you're just waiting weeks to hear back from a company or something like that. It's like, dude, like, just tell me no, like, <laughs> I don't even care about the position anymore. But, you know, I, I definitely think that's such a huge learning that I've had as well with, with, with the show, as well as just in my life and, and, and just with business in general, it's like, if you just treat things as a, a numbers game, don't treat people like numbers. I think that's the distinction where people get lost in. You don't treat people like numbers, but you treat the actions that you take to meet those people uh, more statistically. And I think, yeah, it's it's 100% a process that you kind of have to to go about and not, not necessarily the person. But yeah, like I, you know, I talked about on the show too. It's like, you talk about like scholarships, for example, you know, if you, if you apply to like 
you know, a hundred, 200 scholarships. Like how many people are doing that? How many people are applying to that many scholarships? Like you're going to like, let's say you get 1% of, of like 150, you know what I mean? Like that's, well, it'd be 1.5, but like, yeah, one <laughs> percent like of 200. Getting, yeah, exactly. It's two more scholarships that could add easily be thousands of dollars. And you think about it, it's like the return on your time. It's like, wow, well, it took me like, I don't know, let's call it like 10 hours to do all of that. Like maybe more, let's say 20 hours to do all of that. But you're getting thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, do you really think that your time's more worth than that? Or you know what I mean? And yes, it's not guaranteed, but it's just a law of large numbers thing. So that that's incredible, man. Do you think that you have built a craft of, you know, your email header, like how you structure your email, like how you get their attention? Do you front load it? Things like that. I'm just curious how you sort of developed as, as you've gone with your outreach. I get asked about my cold email strategy a lot. I don't really think it's anything special. Mm. I think there's something so nice about a short, quick email. Yeah. Just nothing that wastes people's time. I've done long ones before. I let that have wasted people's time. Like sometimes it works, but most times it doesn't. So I think just a quick, quick email. Um, like now that I'm on the receiving end, I'm not as extreme about this because I don't even have that large of an audience and I get a lot of cold emails. And so, and I can't reply to everyone, which is something that's like shocking at the, I don't even know, like, it's just weird. I used to think that I, when I would, you know, make it, and I don't think I've made it, but I used to think that when I would make it, I would reply to every email every and I will, when I ha- can have someone who can look through my inbox, but I'm not in that position yet. So unfortunately I miss a couple and uh, you know, I just think the best emails are the quick ones, the fast ones. It doesn't have to be one line because sometimes you don't get the message across in one line, but a few lines that's concise. It's just like basic writing. So, and I'm not like fantastic at that either, but you just get better over time. Yeah. I, it's so funny you say that, man, because I'm starting to grow a little bit on TikTok and, and I'm starting to find when you have, and I'm sure you felt this, like when you have one of those videos that just bangs, it's, it's hard to get in touch with every comment or you got like, four or 500 people. And I, I think the same thing, like I've been very diligent about responding to every single person, making sure that I'm engaging with, in my community and, and really building that. But it is a, almost, it's, I guess, it's kind of disheartening when you can't respond to everybody almost. And and you you try to, and I still think I, I, I do still, but I'm like, man, if this keeps growing, like it's just going to get to a point where it's not, you know, you get to a point where it's just, it's, it's tough. And so, yeah, how have you found building community has been for your podcast. Are you doing really well? Like, do you have a, a large, you know, audience of your podcast now? Kind of, kind of tell me more about that show. Yeah. Building community. Um, well, I think, I don't know. I think it might've been Seth Godin who coins this, but like, or it might not be, but there's something about like finding your true thousand fans, which is like what I really focus on. This is my podcast, Joe Rogan. No, but like I, the metric I focus on is audience retention, which is like, uh, for anyone not familiar, it's just what percentage of the people listen through and where do they drop off? And not all podcast analytics provide this, but the one anchor, which is how I make my podcast, which a disclosure I've worked with them in the past, but this is not an ad, of course. Um, like I really do like that metric. Um, so they'll show me basically like the average listen time from this 40 minute episode is 10 minutes or the average listen time from this 40 minute episode is 39 minutes. And more often than not, I'm towards the 39 minutes. And so I'm just, I'm just really trying. That's what I really focus on, which is like, how do I hold people's attention? Cause then if people, then if you pour gas on the fire, people stick around. Mm. Um, and gas on the fire could be a shout out 
could be your big break. It could be an ad that you decide to run on another show. But if people aren't, it's like a startup product market fit, right? If you don't have content market fit, if people don't like what you're doing, then you're not really, then it doesn't matter how many people see your thing, they're, they're going to churn. So I look at that as a startup, essentially. I don't think my podcast is a startup, but I look at the metrics in a startup way, which is just like, how do you get people to stick around? And I don't think that's unique to content. I think lots of people do that. But for me, that's way more important than listeners because listeners can always just be added. But mm-hmm. you know, in this world where there's just so much content, how do you get people to stick around? That's kind of yeah. what I think about. Yeah, dude, that's such a big insight that I'm like just kind of thinking about myself. It's like, man, I would check my retention rate, my listen time and stuff like that. And it's always just been pretty solid. But I think if I maybe focus in on that a bit more, you can maybe unlock some growth there. Well, Um, it will also show in some players, like where do people drop off? So then what I'll do is I'll figure out the second where people drop off, take a listen and think, oh yeah, that question now thinking out it, that doesn't sound as interesting. Or maybe I just shouldn't keep asking those questions anymore. Or maybe I could have tightened that up or we kind of said something similar already. And you'll like know in the next time when you see a pattern to remove that. Oh, dude, you just blew my mind, man. Like I'm literally like, fuck, I'm going to, I'm totally going to do that now because I was, I was talking, I have a buddy that edits. I'm, I'm sure he's listening to this right now. And you know, that's one thing that I want to start pushing is is making the podcast a little bit more concise. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a podcast. It's long form. Like you're going to have stuff that's just kind of a little bit rambly, but like try to to clean it up in a sense and try to to really get as much value as you can. It doesn't have, although it doesn't have to be long form. Like some of my favorite shows are 20, like I'm trying to go 30 minutes. That's, I'm really trying to cut. And that's really hard because sometimes it's, it's, it's hard when you have a long form show. Yeah. So like if I record 60 minutes, that's long form to me anyway. Like I, I don't really go over that. If I record 60 minutes and it's a fantastic episode, it is painful to cut things out. But I know that it just helps retention because it forces me to think. And I might spend hours on like one question. How do I reword this? How do I move it around? How do I make it, put it in the right spot? Um, that's just what works for me. Joe Rogan's is totally long form and he has a far larger audience. So I'm not saying that that's the way to do it. I'm just saying that's kind of what has worked for my audience and everyone's audience is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I, well, I, you know, I actually have two different forms of the show. So I, I have just monologue where I come on and I cover a topic for 15 to 20 minutes and then I have interviews where it'll be longer. So I kind of switch it up in that sense. Yeah, I think I think looking at the differences in retention and differences in the metrics across the different episodes and styles, I think, you know, I think that's something I've definitely been slacking on, man. So first of all, kind of actually tell me, man, um, so you're you work for a tech startup now. So how how is that going? How did you get involved in the tech startup scene? Were, was it similar to like reaching out, just trying to get involved in the world? It's literally uh, kind of it's it's a funny story. Uh, I was at a mall. Uh You'll see where this is going. Uh, Sherway Gardens for anyone in Toronto. I was in the mall with my mom and she wanted to go to Lululemon and I didn't want to go in, but she dragged me in anyway. I was young. I was like, I was a little younger. I think it was like 2015. And in the Lululemon was a booth for a startup called True Local. And True Local was a startup that was selling, uh, that was basically a subscription box company for like grass-fed beef. So like whatever, grass-fed beefs, like local farming subscription box meat delivery company every month. I was like, okay, well, this is more, talking to them is more interesting than like looking at like leggings and sports bras. So I like, you know, went to go chat and I just started talking to the founder because I was like 
really getting into startups. And I said, hey, I'm Campbell. I have a video agency. Um, I was kind of trying to pitch myself. And I was just started chatting with the founder, Mark, and his then girlfriend, Irma. I think, yeah. And so I had actually just met with Michelle Romano, who is a, who is a, a dragon on Dragon's Den, still is. Um, she was the first like kind of real deal tech entrepreneur I met. I cold emailed her. This is before the podcast and just said, Hey, I love the show. Could we, could we meet? And she was very generous with your time. And we, we had a 30 minute conversation. I went to the clear bank headquarters and we just t- talked and it was fantastic. And so for some reason I felt that made me qualified to give Mark on tips on how to pitch to Michelle because Mark actually said he was pitching True Local and Dragons and to raid their raise their first you know initial financing round. And I was like, all right, well look, here's what you gotta do. You gotta <laughs> so and I don't, he was not laughing. He took me really seriously, which is like still I'm impressed by. And um, you know, I don't definitely not sure if he should have taken me seriously, but he definitely gave me like the time to talk and we just really hit it off. So then I made some videos for Mark. Um, True Local ended up raising money from Michelle. Um, they actually just got acquired in 2020, um, I think end of 2020, maybe early 2021. And so they made mil- they made millions of bucks on that. And uh, and you know we've been my family's been customers since we met him at True uh, at Lululemon. But uh, a year after I launched the first season of the podcast, I essentially said like um, to Mark, "Hey, I'm I'm working on this startup because I've you know had I've been doing like side startups for my whole life, and this current one was." product that I was working on that would connect journalists to stories. That's a whole other conversation, but that grew out of the frustration of pitching to the media after I launched my podcast, because it was like a pain to get press. And so, you know, I didn't have a publicist. I had to do it myself. And so I asked him if he could introduce me to any angel investors. And he said, hey, in fact, you should meet this guy named Jason. He um, doesn't run the startup, but he's, he's investing in startups in Toronto like go get coffee with him. So he made that introduction. Me and Jason had coffee. We hit it off. And um, he was telling me about a concept he was working on for this kind of family-oriented ed tech startup. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he said, yeah, I think we're going to build it. Not sure yet. But But I pitched him the thing. He never said no, which is like the nice way of saying no. Yeah. Um, in, in, in startup lingo, you'll be like, well, keep me posted, but you won't say yeah. no because a no kind of stings. Um, so we kind of just kept in touch. I kept showing him the product. The startup never did anything because I this is my this was my uh, now going into my last year of high school. So I really just want to just get through that um, as quickly as possible. Anyway, so we just we kept in touch. And essentially, uh, in May, he gave me a call and he said, hey, we actually started that company that I was talking about. And we pivoted a little bit and now we're basically have a whole content division. So the whole product is now going to be really a content tech company versus just a tech company. And like we're growing, we're building and we need someone to like run the whole content operation. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I signed on for just July, just June to see if I would be a good fit. Cause to be honest, I had never worked in a, in a full-time position at a startup. I, I, I've done had my agency and did the podcast, but I was never really working for other people directly, other than you know some one-off projects I did for CBC. So ultimately, um, uh, I stuck around, and then I you know extended my contract so you know to uh, for the whole summer, and then uh, I've been there ever since. So I'm basically it will be a year in May, and uh, I helped build the 
entire content operation at the company. So we work with a bunch of creators and we have like a format for that and we do editing and, and hosting and, and just kind of the whole pro to, to populate the app with, with content. So um, it's been a, a big learning experience, um, but it's definitely like a, you know, I feel so naive back in May, just of all the learnings. Um, mm. And, you know, it was actually a great, everyone was like, so what are you going to do when you graduate high school? And I was like, oh, there'll be an opportunity that would come up. And literally a month before I graduated, I got that call from Jason. And so it's funny how things work out. That's incredible, man. And I mean, like, I don't think I have enough time to ask the, again, the questions that have come to my mind. The first thing I have to ask is, so are you set on the startup path for like, would you ever go to post-secondary? I'm just curious. Oh, at this point, yeah. um, I don't have a really problem with post-secondary, but not, not, not at this point now. Yeah, there's, um, there's no, yeah. I mean, it depends, right? Like never say never, which is mm -hmm. true. I just think of it like, like opportunity cost. It'd be mm -hmm. like going backwards. So not only would I have to pay for it myself, I would literally have to turn down money from this job. I'd have probably stopped the podcast or TikTok, or I'd have to stop something to be able to manage it. And it would just be basically going, it'd be going in reverse. Yeah. So I wouldn't do it. So not at this point, no, but if like everything falls apart and it, will I decide to go? Maybe like, yeah. I think, I think it's, if you're not really going to do anything and you don't want to take a gap year and you don't want to work and you just want to like sit at home, like I would probably recommend post-secondary um, <laughs> and there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong or you don't know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I also think it depends. I, 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 I haven't been, so I can't give the advice, but I, I, my problem is the debt and the, the expense. Mm -hmm. And so um, in mm -hmm. Canada, it's not as bad, but um, you know, people who will go to school in the U S and not know what they want to do. So they'll study humanities and take on a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt is just terrible. Like that's a bad, that's a bad decision. So it, yeah, there's, no it's not as, you know, it's not as extreme, but there is a gray area. Um, but at the moment, I'm not really, no, I'm just kind of focused on, uh, keeping my, my working going. Well, I, I want to know what your vision for the show is, your content, your, your whole, your whole like personal brand, your platform, like where are you trying to go, Campbell? Like I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm so like intrigued and I feel like you've made such progress, not to completely fluffy up here, but I feel like you've made such progress, you know, at a, at a very young age. So I'm just so curious what your, your current appetite is. The show will go on for a while i don't plan on stopping it anytime on. soon five years could be could be more than that i don't know i haven't really thought about that i've just you know just post a new episode every week and then have a couple a month off you know twice a year for some seasons and then for a little break in between each seasons but i i think if it's a great way to meet people a podcast um i think it's a great way to you know have a true your find your true thousand fans I keep quoting that it could be Seth Godin. And if it is, that's, I mean, not surprised. It could be someone else, but um, I do believe in that. Just basically like figuring out who your true a thousand fans are and then being able to like, those are the people who you'll, will support your work or follow you. And you, you can, people who might, you know, subscribe to your Patreon, whatever. Um, if, if you ever decide to do that, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm more focused on just kind of having these conversations and meeting folks. Ultimately, I'll probably like, I think the, my dream would be to do something in the intersection of media and tech. So maybe that's something consumer one day, maybe that's eventually I'll, you know, leave the startup I'm at now to like go start my own thing when the time comes. Through the podcast, I've met lots of venture capitalists. So I would hope that I'd be able to, if the timing is right and I have some traction that I'd be able to get some funding. But at the moment, I'm really focused on just 
you know, building relationships with smart people, learning from smart people. If I made the decision that I'm not going to go to school at the moment, all right, well, where else am I getting the education from? Because I'm very for education. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just different ways to get it. And I think right now it's work experience. Um, and so uh, ultimately, I, I think the intersection of startups and media really interests me. And then maybe in my second career, I was thinking maybe it'd be cool to be like the CEO of CNN, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible, man. Do you find the the startup life? I mean, it's kind of all you know, to be honest. Like from what I, from what I from what I'm picking up, but do you find that it can be kind of taxing sometimes? Do you feel like you're always on? Mm, I think it depends where you are. Actually, I actually think a lot about cities and like where I'd want to live. That kind of stresses me out more than the startup life. Um, so I don't know. I I don't really feel like I'm always on. Um, I'm just. Good just doing what I'm doing because I'm not always on. I'll take breaks from time to time. I'll burn out whatever it's normal. Everyone does. But um, Mm. I think uh, more so like um, I think your environment really matters. So I think you could be in a startup ecosystem where everyone is looking over your shoulder Mm. and that's not fun Mm. where you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And I, I don't, that's not, that's not the plan. I also think you could be in like, you know, cities where it's just a nicer quality of life. I love to ski. Toronto is not that place for skiing. Um, so I don't know, maybe somewhere in the West coast where I can kind of just be a little removed from the startup ecosystem, but also be so connected via these online tools, but not feel that everyone's super into startups all the time. And I could ski and you know relax in nature or take breaks in nature. I don't, I don't know, but I, I think, I think it really just depends on your environment. And for me, since everyone's in COVID, I don't necessarily feel that. But I think, you know, post-COVID, it'll be interesting to see kind of where everyone disperses and, and how involved I want to be. So I think, I think you know, I have good days, I have, you know, not not as great days, but just kind of if you have a, at least some form of common goal, I think that makes it a little easier. For sure. For sure. For sure. Do, do you live at home still? Do you live by yourself? Or- no, I live, at, I live at home. I, I live turned at home. 18 like two, uh, a month, uh, yeah, a month ago. So, yeah. I mean, I so I'm just living at home. Save everything I make. Save everything, bro. That's the that's the name of the game. <laughs> what has been the biggest thing that has led to success for you that you've noticed? Like maybe it's a value, maybe it's a trait, whatever. And then what would you say is one of the biggest factors in general? It can they can be the same thing. It can, it can vary. Um, I'm 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 really curious what your thoughts are, man. One is follow through, which is what I've really struggled with and still struggle with. And a good example of follow through would be the TikTok, where I basically posted basically every day since February of 2020. I don't even have that big of an audience on the app. I have an okay audience. But, you know, as a result, I just started working with an editor, which is fantastic. Um, This really brilliant kid out of uh, Lebanon. And it's just, you know, just follow through. Like the fact that I didn't quit and I almost did a couple of times because it was just exhausting. That's one example. The podcast is another example where I stopped for almost a year in between season one and two. And then I picked it back up and I'm glad I did because that's kind of when it started to move a little bit quicker. Mm. Um, so just being able to follow through. But the other part of that is not following through and like knowing when to stop or knowing when to not work on a project. I think this is what I'm actually thinking a lot more about. Tech, from my observation, seems to work in waves, which is like 
you know, if you can surf the right wave and I'm, I'm not making, uh, this is definitely someone else has said this before me. I'm just repeating stuff that I've heard, but if you can surf the right wave, um, then essentially tech and startups and essentially you can be well-timed and then basically surf your way all the way to an acquisition or IPO. If you are too late, you miss the wave. If you are too early, you, there's no wave. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so your life is literally just, and so your job is literally just to like find either stay alive enough to find the wave yeah. or look for what the next waves are going to be. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of prediction. And so for me, it's like, okay, what are some of the waves that we're looking at? I'm really interested in the future of media. What does the future of commerce look like? You know, how are we going to be listening to things in the future? How are we going to be watching things? How are we going to be, you know, what, are we going to be downloading apps? Are we going to be using websites? Are we going to be talking to smart speakers? I don't know. Um, are we going to be using VR glasses? What are the platform shifts that are going to take place? And then I'll talk to a bunch of smart, this is why I love the podcast. I can talk to smart people who think voice is going to be the next thing and then really inform my opinions. It's so much more interesting than reading an article because I can talk to the experts and like hear their thoughts um, and then try to kind of position myself for those waves. So, um, and I'm not saying I've done a good job doing that now, but that is definitely something I think about. And I think that's, just being like in the right place at the right time is helpful. Um, but also like knowing when to follow through with something and when not to, that's like the skill that I'm trying to work on. That's incredible. That's incredible, Campbell. Yeah, and I think consistency and really sticking to it, but not mindlessly sticking to it, like you're saying, like just doing it for the sake of doing it, like doing it because, you know, the, you know there's integrity obviously in, in st- follow, following through no matter what, but you also, you don't want to be banging your head against the wall, right? So yeah. Well, you don't hear the stories of people who stuck through and it never worked. Yeah. And like followed through aimlessly for no reason. That's yeah. bad. That's arguably worse or <laughs> equally as bad. Because now you're sucking energy for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's those three pillars there. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, okay, well that's really all I got for you, my man. Please tell tell the people where they can find you, where they can watch your videos, podcast, everything. Yeah. I'm at Campbell J. Barron on basically every platform. Uh, or, or my, my website, campbellbaron.com has all the links. So you can find me there. My podcast is The Ones Who Succeed, which you can find on every player. And uh, you know what? I really appreciate your time. This was, you asked great questions and I, I yeah, just awesome to uh, to do this. And thank you for thinking of me. Of course, man. And again, like, you know, this show, you know, obviously personal finance first, but I love to bring on, you know, young hustlers who are doing their thing. And man, you are the definition of a young hustler who is doing his thing. So thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. So there you have it, my friends. Again, just another great guy. To, I mean, I'm like, listen, I these guys, I don't know where I find them because this guy's just like so high level, man. Really, really was so awesome to chat with him. Hope you guys really enjoyed the episode as well. We will be back with our Sunday episode, but that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.